CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Vancouver Island is best known for its rugged beauty and laid-back lifestyle. So you may be surprised to learn that it's also on the map for a more controversial reason. It has one of the highest rates of medically-assisted deaths in the world. Avis Favreau investigates why and documents the most intimate of journeys with rare and poignant access to one man's last breath. was Ray Cole in the summer of 2021, in the best shape of his life and feeling like a kid again. At the top of the hill, I was 70 years old. When I was coming out of the bottom of the hill, I'm 17 years old again. Along with his wife, Deborah, the retired couple spent most days riding their tandem bike all over Vancouver Island. That was the life, hon. That was the life, baby. That was the life. We had a lot of fun, baby. A whole lot of fun. <laughs> Six months later, Ray spends most of his time at home, too weak to do much else. Last month, doctors confirmed his lung cancer was back and it was terminal. Like the person you're looking at right now is not the person that's here because I'm under medication. If you take this medication away, I'm in excruciating pain rolling around that floor because it's terrible, terrible pain. Keeping the pain at bay is Deb's job. She does it with a round-the-clock potent cocktail, including methadone, oxycodone, and fentanyl. Okay, take your drink. Recently, Ray started choking because swallowing became difficult. It's very poor quality of life. I get up, I go to the can, I get back, go to bed, get up, go to the can, get back, go to bed. So Ray has decided to end his poor quality of life and plans on dying tomorrow. I'm going to die. Why would I die in pain? If I was a dog or a horse, I would put me to sleep, okay? I wouldn't let my dog suffer. Why the hell am I letting my brother, my mother, or father suffer? And the doctor who will help Ray die, Dr. Stephanie Green. She's been helping him for the last month with the hard decision to end his life. And she and Ray are allowing W5 to be there when it happens. Okay, you got the right arm. Stephanie has also just written a book on assisted dying, the first doctor in Canada to document this new practice of medicine, one that she's very passionate about. What was it that you wanted to say by writing a book? I made a conscious decision when I started doing this work that I would do it openly and publicly and transparently for the purpose that I, I, I think this is legal medical care in this country. It should be treated as such. There's nothing clandestine about what I do. It should not be done behind closed doors or in secret. I mean, for me, it sounds paradoxical, but assisted dying, it seems to be about death and dying, but it's really a lot about living and how you want to live. Dr. Green is also part of a group of healthcare workers who provide medical death on Vancouver Island, 
which has become the assisted death capital of Canada. My name is Sue Rodriguez, and I suffer from a terminal illness named ALS. It started with this woman, Victoria Sue Rodriguez, who fought to overturn a ban on assisted suicide in 1992. But the Supreme Court denied her request, citing potential abuse. Over two decades later, another BC woman, 89-year-old Kay Carter, pushed for an assisted death to stop her unrelenting chronic pain. But she had to travel to Switzerland and died surrounded by her children, who then took up her campaign. It was her greatest wish that all Canadians had the choice to be able to die with dignity in our own country. This time, they won, and in 2016, medical assistance in dying, dubbed MADE, became legal across the country. A huge victory for Canadians and a legacy for Kay. About the same time, Dr. Green was thinking of a career change. Well, you've got the S. For 20 years, Stephanie had been delivering babies, but the work was starting to take a toll on her and husband Jean-Marc. It had become harder for me, just physically, to be doing 24-hour call shifts and to be coming home so tired and then taking a day to recover from that. So I think, quite honestly, as I was, uh, as I was getting older, my husband was Jean-Marc, my husband. Also uh, getting older. <laughs> also getting older. I think was, um, was, uh, was the wiser of the two of us, actually, and had been encouraging me. So it was in the back of my mind when I finally had this opportunity to switch he was very open to the conversation. I was very, very close to two family members and they both passed away, my uncle um, from AIDS. It was just horrible, he couldn't speak at some point. And my grandfather, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a difficult, you know, it was a lot of nausea. And it's just the, uh, the um, how this elegance was, was robbed. And um, I think that he would have, he would have, um, I don't know how to say it, appreciated, liked, um, been himself. Mm. by being able to have a little bit of Stephanie around him uh, during those uh, last um, moments. So over five years ago, Stephanie switched to become a full-time maid doctor, though her office hasn't changed much. I think they find the pictures on the walls, which I left, I think they find them comforting. Most people love them and makes them smile and so that's lovely now you went from birth to death yes and some people see those as complete polar opposites mm. at either end but you have this belief that there's actually a similarity they're similar in the terms of they're both incredibly intimate moments they're milestones in someone's life they are intense they call up a lot of family dynamics. That can be chaotic. That could be beautiful. There's a certain element of not knowing how it's going to be. You even kept the same terminology between births and deaths. Yes. Did you? I call them both deliveries. One's delivery in, one's a delivery out. It made sense to me. Medical assistance in dying has grown exponentially since it first became legal in Canada. Back in 2016, a little over 1,000 people used MADE, but year after year, it steadily increased to over 7,500 by 2020. Oh, please don't bury me down in that cold, cold ground. 
No, I'd rather have you cut me up, pass me all around. Singing his favorite John Prine song, Please Don't Bury Me, Ray Cole doesn't look like someone who's going to die tomorrow morning. And that's his point. He wants everyone to see how happy he's been since Stephanie told him she can help end his life. When I first tell someone that they are eligible for an assisted death, uh, almost always I see a physical change in their body, almost immediately. There is an immediate sense of relief. And they can stop thinking and worrying about what exactly is going to happen at the end of their life. They, they know now that they have that choice and they can really grab onto those final days or weeks or months that they have left and really focus on living them intently and with purpose. Ray's purpose, to enjoy his remaining time with his family as much as possible. We've had a lot of fun. I got 10 grandchildren. I got to say goodbye to them all, standing up, hug them goodbye. It was wonderful. We had, we had a, great, a great goodbye, opposed to, hey, grandpa's dead. <laughs> like, who wants grandpa's dead? They come in here, hug me goodbye. It was fantastic. But letting go has still been tough for Ray's family. He's picked tomorrow to die because it's his wedding anniversary. We got married 47 years ago, and I'm checking out 47 years later. My obligation to this family is over. I'm leaving, and I'm not coming back. <laughs> well, I love my husband enough to let him go. Yeah. That's it. That's it, you gotta love him enough to let him go, Gab. Yes, you do. If you watch somebody that you love, him pain, as much as he's been in pain, <laughs> it's cruel to keep them because you're keeping them for yourself. You're not keeping them because it's making them feel any better. You're being selfish. You've gotta let go. For two decades, these bottles of whiskey have sat unopened after Ray quit drinking. Now he wants a final shot with his son, Ryan. I'm really looking for, I'm salivating thinking about this. I love you, my son. I wish I could stick around a few more days, but too much pain. This memory is for me. This memory's for you. I love you. I love you too. Even when I pretended like I didn't listen, I've always listened. Always. So thanks. You don't know how much that means to me that you said that. You remember all the stories then, eh? Oh, well. I love you. You're on my heart. I love you too, Dad. Up. There is no cure and there are no effective treatments. The difficult process of deciding who dies. There's a chance you might live many more years and die from something else. When W5 continues. Dr. Stephanie Green spends most of her free time in Vancouver Island's old-growth forests. 
she recharges, surrounded by trees that can live up to a thousand years. A sharp contrast to her day job as a doctor who provides medical assistance in dying or maid. Stephanie has helped more than 300 people end their lives on Vancouver Island. Every patient I've, I've helped has marked me in some way. And, and sometimes there's stuff you just don't forget, you know, especially when you read into it or project yourself into it and you imagine yourself in that moment. Or you see a moment of just incredible sadness, uh, people saying goodbye to their loved ones. Um, it is intense and, uh, and you just carry that and you know that you're helping someone get what they, what they really need. Dr. Green believes so much in the MAID system on the island that she's tackling newer and more controversial cases like that of 69-year-old John Priddle. He wants to die on his own terms, but he's not actually dying. It's in terms of falls, can you tell me um, how many times has this happened to you at home or outside in the past few months? Uh, on average, a couple of times a week. A couple of times a week, wow. Yeah. Over 20 years ago, John was diagnosed with a disabling neurological disorder called Friedrich's ataxia. It's made walking, speaking, even swallowing difficult. I mean, your eye has changed since I've seen you. Your speech has changed. Tell me about your speech and your swallowing and your eye. Yeah. It's also incurable. But unlike most of Stephanie's patients, John's case isn't as clear-cut. There's a chance you might live many more years and, you'll excuse me for saying, die from something else. In March 2021, Canada's assisted dying law expanded, creating a second track of patients. Now, it no longer requires a person's natural death to be reasonably foreseeable meaning MAID is open to people with disabilities and conditions like chronic pain who aren't near death. Every time I run across, and I call it a deficit, something I can't do very well that I used to be able to do well, I think of that as my world is shrinking. And John's world has shrunk dramatically. With a PhD in philosophy and a wife who worked in international development, John and Jackie have traveled the world. Their home is filled with treasures from their adventures. But now John spends most of his days watching the world go by. It's hard to accept and I do have my moments as I'm sure my dear wife could tell you about. I do get frustrated. In fact, if I would Think of neurological diseases like this where they worsen over time and there is no cure and there are no effective treatments. But across Canada, Track 2 cases are proving more contentious. Scott Anderson is an intensive care doctor in London, Ontario, about two hours southwest of Toronto. He also assesses and provides assisted dying. But he says that unlike Vancouver Island, few doctors in Ontario are comfortable with these more complex cases. How many track two cases have you said yes to? It's either one or two. Um, it's very few. If you look at chronic pain, sometimes 
The main problem may not even be chronic pain. The main problem may be mental health issues where they have suffered from depression, um, hopelessness, um, just a, a whole litany of things that come with chronic pain. Sometimes track two patients are suffering because of lack of medical services or supports for home care. The wish for death for these vulnerable patients, says Dr. Anderson, is because they can't access services that can lead to a better life. I hear there's a long waiting list if you're disabled home care. Is that a concern there? That it is track a concern. Two, track two just becomes easier to offer than other treatments. I do think that people suffer from chronic depression, chronic pain, chronic fatigue. Um, sometimes the way they ask for help is because they're frustrated and they want, they express a wish to die. But really, if you flush it out, a lot of them don't want to die. I've had track two patients where I've insisted on multiple consultations and by the third or fourth consultation, they start to connect with a therapist or they start to say, you know what, let's put this on hold for a while. Dr. Green believes there are protections in place for Track 2 patients. According to the new law, in order to qualify for assisted dying, a patient's suffering cannot be alleviated under conditions that the person considers acceptable, meaning they have to be offered care and seriously consider it before becoming eligible. What about doctors who say that Track 2 cases are just too complex. So in order to be eligible for MAID, there's a list of eligibility criteria, but there's also what we call procedural safeguards. And part of those safeguards are to ensure that we have made patients aware of all the available, reasonably available means to reduce their suffering, that they have been offered those services. So that's that happened before you. To them. That's part of the process. You can't just jump to go. You have to meet the eligibility criteria, you have to meet all the procedural safeguards, and then if you want to proceed to MAID, you would become eligible to do so. Longtime MAID advocate John feels the best protection for Track 2 patients like himself comes from the fact it's illegal for assisted dying to even be suggested by health workers. You first and foremost have to ask for it. So if you don't want it, you are protected. Never open your mouth to suggest otherwise. If you're not assessed as competent, or if your decision is forced, you can't receive medical assistance dying. The process ends there. Now there's a fascinating bunch of cultures mm -hmm. yeah. in. According to the law, John's decision to have an assisted death can't be forced, but some wonder if he doesn't feel pressured. Two years ago, his wife Jackie quit her job to help take care of him. I think for John, it's about his independence. He doesn't want to be dependent on anyone, you know, as, as, you know, including including me. But it's more his own sense of self. Um, no, I, I that's fair. I mean, if people feel that they're pressured into me, that's not right, um, and that's certainly not what's happening here. If I was becoming a burden. I would expect her to have drawn my attention to it if I hadn't noticed it already. And then the conversation would be as well, what do we need? 
to make our burden lighter. And while in theory Jackie supports John's right to die, it's still difficult for her to accept a life without her husband of over 40 years. It's hard because I don't like to think about John not being here. So, you know, it's we've been married since 1980, so it's a long time, so I can't imagine it. But I also understand it, so support him. But I have to say, John, you've done an amazing job in getting at resources. You have a neurologist. You have a primary care physician. You've got really good documentation of what you've tried and what you've done and all the physiotherapy and rehab and injections. And You're doing, I mean, you are the epitome of trying very hard to live very well. Thank you very much. You need a worker. This meeting is how a doctor assesses someone to see if they meet the criteria for an assisted death. And in Dr. Green's opinion, John does. So I guess what I want to tell you is that it, it is possible to access assisted dying uh, with this diagnosis, should you ever get to that place. I'm hoping it's a real long time from now, John. It would give me quite a bit of peace of mind to realize that, that it's not just an option, but medical assistance and dying may be there if I think I need it. If you need it. It's going to sound really weird, maybe, to some, but I think it, well, it makes me feel quite a bit relieved. So knowing that this option is now available in a way that wasn't before allows me, I think, to focus a little more attention. Well, okay, what do I want to do with the time left? Coming up. I'm good to go. Safe travels, my friend. Making a case to end the suffering. I feel like I helped facilitate their final wish. I feel like I gave them a gift. When W5 continues. What you're about to see was illegal in Canada only a few years ago. Hello, hello. A doctor going to a pharmacy to pick up medications to end a patient's life. This is his meds. But Dr. Stephanie Green is preparing to do just that. Ray Cole has terminal cancer. He's waiting for her to arrive within the hour. Uh, I get kind of emotional when I think of her because all that weight's on her shoulders and she's carrying it herself. Somebody should be helping that woman. This is a lethal cocktail designed to sedate the patient, to numb any pain, and to induce a deep coma which stops breathing and the heart. So I actually review the medications in each box. Uh, I check that they're exactly what I, I'm going to need, and I sign a form for that, uh, and I take responsibility of them. But these days, this is becoming more and more common, especially on Vancouver Island, the medical assistance and dying capital of Canada. Here, 7.5% of all deaths are medically assisted. That is triple the rest of the country, which is only at 2.5%. Across the country, people's eyebrows go up. When they hear that. When they hear 7.5%. Sure. I don't expect the rest of the country to come up and match this level. I think we are special in certain ways. 
Dr. David Robertson coordinates the assisted dying program on Vancouver Island, and he says this region is filled with well-educated and well-heeled retirees. We know that from other research that people with higher levels of education and higher incomes tend to choose made more often. We also think that a lot of people have moved to the island as adults. Is almost almost certain to want to have some degree of influence and decision-making capacity over the manner of their death. Vancouver Island also happens to have one of the highest numbers of doctors and nurse practitioners per capita willing to provide assisted dying. Also, no hospitals or clinics run by the health authority can refuse to give patients MAID. We will make it possible in any part of any of our facilities. We declared at the outset that we would not have any opt-out places. There are even new places for assisted death here. Local funeral directors, like Brad Tuck, offer rooms where patients can have made. It may sound crass, but here you can walk into a funeral home in the morning and be in the ground by the afternoon. So theoretically, you could do a burial that same day. Um, after the, the maid has occurred, you'd, you'd be more than legally able to, to do that. We try very hard not to give our own personal opinions on whether we're supportive of something or whether we're against it. It's here, it's available, and it's your choice. And, and we let the families make those decisions because they could have very good reasons why it's not for them and they could have very good reasons why it is. Is 7.5% the right number? No, it happens to be the right number at the moment for Vancouver Island residents, but it's not something I would wish to translate to, to any other part of the country. But the high number of made deaths does make some other practitioners uneasy. Dr. Scott Anderson is an intensive care specialist who provides assisted dying in southwestern Ontario. They very well might be doing great work that is that is really endorsed and uh, agreed that the Canadian population wants. At the same time, I would, I would suggest that there maybe needs to be some examination. Vancouver Island's rate is among the highest in the world. Compare that to the Netherlands, where even after two decades, their made rate is only about 4%. I find it interesting because in the Netherlands, they've been doing this for 20 years and they're still not at 7%. What's more, Dr. Anderson is seeing regions in Canada with very low rates of assisted death, below 1%, mostly among poorer or more rural communities. And that bothers you, why? Less affluent patients may uh, find themselves in a situation where they don't have a family doctor and when you're incredibly ill it's very hard to advocate for yourself and go out there and try to find the resources that that are legal and you are entitled to and so I think what we found is there there's develops we develop regional disparities where affluent uh, patients can access the system in a far more effective manner than less affluent patients. So are Vancouver's rates too high or are the rest of the countries too low? Equal access is what matters, says Dr. Anderson. I think we would all agree in Canada, we feel that uh, healthcare should be universal and people should have universal access to, uh, to 
procedures that are legal in the country. Dr. Green has a solution. She's about to launch the first national program to help standardize how MAID is performed across Canada. It's through the Canadian Association of MAID Assessors and Providers, or CAMAP, a group she helped found. Currently, we're actually developing and producing a fully accredited national MAID training program. So, you know, a Haligonian in Halifax who wants to have MAID, who has a certain diagnosis and wants to seek an assessment, is treated with the same type of approach and expertise as someone in Manitoba or British Columbia. I think that's essential. Stephanie hopes to give anyone who qualifies the chance to have an assisted death. Patients like Ray Cole, who's dying of terminal cancer. We shouldn't be mourning this, we should be embracing this. I, I had a good life, I have no regrets, I have no problem with going to the other side. Actually, I'm really, really excited because I'm going to know the answer. Do you ever feel like you're going to burn out witnessing death after death after death? I, when I leave the home of someone I've helped, I, of course I'm sad. Somebody's life has just ended. It can be tragic, depending on the circumstances. But I, I feel like I helped facilitate their final wish. I feel like I gave them a gift. I feel like I helped them, you know, get what they needed, what they wanted, what they, what they really asked me for. And to be able to offer that to someone, you know, that, that doesn't feel bad. So I just wanted to go over with you one more time exactly what's going to happen, and I know that you know this. Minutes before Ray's procedure, Dr. Green prepares his wife, Deb, for what she's about to see. So I, I'm sorry if I'm so raw, but the truth is um, you're probably going to see his mouth become a little slack, a little bit open. Uh, his lips might turn a little bit blue. Uh, he might become quite pale in those first couple of minutes. So all of that's really normal. If you feel kind of uncomfortable seeing that or don't really want to stay there at any point, you know, you can certainly, you can certainly walk out of the room, right? Um, there's no metal for staying. No. You feel ready to go in? No. Let's do it. I know he wants to get it over. He does. We're ready. You ready to begin? Yes. With his wife in his arms and his favorite Kenny Rogers song playing, like Dr. Green well. gives Ray you the may. syringe to start the medications. He's the first patient who's asked to do it himself. Got it. I'm good to go. Safe travels, my friend. Goodbye, my friends. I love you, Doc. I love you. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you. I love you so much. After spending a few minutes alone with her husband, Deb meets with Stephanie to talk about what just happened. I'm not stupid enough to ask you how you're feeling. Any surprises there? No. No. So from a technical point of view, everything went smoothly, obviously. I think he fell asleep quickly, comfortably, exactly where he wanted to be, yeah. with you in his arms. Yeah. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'd just like to thank you very much for what you do. Oh, well, thank you for your trust. That's a real privilege. You're amazing. You gonna let me hug you? Certainly. Yeah. My family believes in hugs. No, so do we. Take care. Thank you so much for what you do.
Next year, the federal government plans to introduce another controversial change to Canada's made legislation. As of March 2023, it will be expanded to include those with mental illnesses. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes.